0: Today's reading comes from Proverbs chapter 22 verses 1 to 16. Um, if you have a church Bible near to you, um, today's reading can be found on page 647, so I'll just give you a moment to find that. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common, the Lord is the maker of them all. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keeps going and suffers for it. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor in life. In the paths of the wicked lie thorns and snares, but he who guards his soul stays far from them. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not turn from it. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender." He who sows wickedness reaps trouble, and the rod of his fury will be destroyed. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Drive out the mocker, and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. He who loves a pure heart, and whose speech is gracious, will have the king for his friend. The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he frustrates the words of the unfaithful. The sluggard says, There is a lion outside, or... I will be murdered in the streets. The mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit. He who is under the Lord's wrath will fall into it. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. He who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth, and he who gives gifts to the rich, both come to poverty. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Lily. Do keep your Bibles open and please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this series we've had in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Thank you for the wisdom uh, that you have shared with us through it. Uh, And we pray you'd be with us again this morning as we uh, consider this topic of our money. Uh, We know it's a a sensitive topic, so uh, please would you work in our hearts and help us to hear what you would have us hear this morning. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Ken Honda uh, wrote the book, Happy Money. And in it, he says that when it comes to money, there are seven personality types. There's the compulsive saver who who views saving as a kind of source of security and is always looking for a bargain, and who also has a a fear of irrational spending. There's the compulsive spender who, who makes unnecessary purchases, often when they're in distress, and who is prone to experiencing buyer's remorse. Uh, There's the compulsive moneymaker who believes life is better when you earn more, so they prioritise making more and more money, and they love a bit of recognition for it as well. Uh, There's the person who's indifferent to money, usually someone financially well-off, but who really thinks about money and doesn't allow money to influence the important decisions that they make. Uh, There's the saver splurger. I like that one. Uh, Someone smart with money at times, uh, but given to spending impulses out of nowhere. That, that, that happens from time to time. There's the gambler who, who takes big risks with money. They'll tell you all about their wins, but they are deeply depressed by their losses. And finally, there's the worrier. Uh, no matter how much money they have, they constantly worry about losing it at any moment, obsessing over the worst-case scenario if they run out of money. Now I'm sure that uh, some of those traits will be all too relatable uh, for many of us here this morning and Ken Honda seeks to give people advice to to work through some of these different approaches that people have to money and he's trying to do a good thing trying to help people to be wise with their money and we've been looking at the the book of Proverbs for some weeks now thinking about different topics uh, and the one thing that we've found each week is that if you want to be wise and any area of life, you need God. You need to hear what God has to say. And that's what we've been trying to do. Uh, And we've thought about being wise in our work. We've thought about being wise with our words. And this morning, we're thinking about being wise with our wealth, with our money. And it just so happens to be Commitment Sunday. What are the odds of that? Uh, I think it is a a good thing for us to, to think about wealth and, and money, uh, whether we are, whether we consider ourselves to be wealthy or not. Because in, in my experience, when it comes to uh, wealth and, and money, it's either talked about too much in some churches, or on the other hand, it's, it's not talked about at all. Uh, and that's a real shame because there is much wisdom in the Bible when it comes to thinking about wealth. And Proverbs has a number of things to say about it. Uh, and we're going to uh, do that what we're going to do this morning, we're going to think about some some key principles uh, that Proverbs teaches us about wealth. Uh, a man named uh, Tremper Longman writes that when we look at Proverbs, we find principles, not promises. Principles, not promises. And, and what he means by that, uh, these are principles in the book of Proverbs that are, are generally true of life. There will be some exceptions, but more often than not, uh, Proverbs teaches us principles that proved to be true. But proverbs are are not promises. Proverbs doesn't promise that if you do A, then B will definitely happen. Uh, In today's reading, verse 11 says, He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. Now it's not promising us friendship with King King Charles if, if we follow the right steps, but rather it's saying your motives and your words can win over even the most powerful of people. Principles, not promises. And as we consider some proverbs that, that speak about wealth, uh, God willing, it will help us to be those who are wise uh, with what God has given us. And I say uh, wealth because there was a study done in uh, 2021 that ranked ranked New Zealanders at the, as the uh, fourth uh, fourth in the world in terms of the median wealth per adult. Fourth in the world. Uh, Roughly 2 million New Zealanders are in the top 10% when it comes to global wealth. That's almost half the nation. Now obviously we know that poverty still exists here in New Zealand. So not everyone sees this wealth. And and things would have changed slightly over the last couple of years with with the cost of living going up. Uh, But it is worth noting that when it comes to wealth, relatively speaking, we are a wealthy nation. Now the first principle that we see in Proverbs is that Wealth is a good thing. Uh, Sometimes there's this underlying belief that wealth is is bad, but the Bible never uh, never says that wealth in and of itself is a bad thing. Uh, It certainly warns us of some of the pitfalls that wealth can bring, and we'll spend some time thinking about those a little bit later on, but wealth in and of itself is good. Uh, Some of the people we meet in the Bible are wealthy. Abraham was a wealthy man. Job was wealthy, as were David and Solomon. Uh, In the New Testament, we hear of people like Dorcas and Lydia, uh, who who were apparently wealthy. And Proverbs tells us that there are a number of benefits to wealth. Proverbs 14.24 says, The wealth of the wise is their crown. Uh, In chapter 8, as as wisdom calls out, we're told that, uh, verse 18, With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Wealth is often spoken of as as dwelling with wisdom. Uh, Wealth often points to wisdom. Proverbs 10.15 says, The wealth of the rich is a fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. Uh, Wealth can be a good thing because it provides a a certain level of security. Uh, So when the, the hot water cylinder is busted in your house, or the heat pump isn't working in the middle of winter, or the car needs uh, multiple repairs to to pass the warrant, wealth offers us a level of security. Uh, Wealth allows us food and drink and shelter, uh, and it's a good thing. So that's the first principle we we see in Proverbs. Uh, The second is that we are to be generous with our wealth. Over the years, Christians have shown the, the good that can be done with wealth. Uh, Many wealthy people in the history of the church have have used their wealth for good things. Uh, At the start of the year, you might remember we had a a morning uh, thinking about some influential people in church history, and one of the women we heard about was Selina Countess of Huntingdon. Uh, She was around in the 18th century and was someone who used her wealth to great effect. Uh, She was alive during the Methodist movement in the early days of, of John Wesley And she spent much of her fortune uh, building new chapels, sending out gospel workers and and supporting mission. And there have been numerous uh, people who have used their wealth to enable countless amounts of gospel ministry uh, over the years. Uh, So wealth is a good thing. Be generous for the sake of the gospel with your wealth. Uh, But we're also to be generous towards those who are poor. Uh, In our passage, verse 9 says this, A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. I mentioned the wealth of our country, uh, and the other side of that is, of course, we're also a country that has its fair share of poverty. Uh, Proverbs 29.7 says, The righteous care about justice for the poor. The wicked have no such concern. Uh, And I think many of us find it tricky to to know the way to go about uh, caring for the poor. Uh, There are a number of great organizations we can support that do this work so well. Uh, The Shirley Community Trust, which a a number of people at St. Stephen's are involved in, uh, being one of those. Uh, I've mentioned this quote from Charles Spurgeon before. It goes like this, If you give a man the gospel, wrap it in a sandwich. And if you give a man a sandwich, wrap it in the gospel. Uh, And I know some of you do this very well. Uh, I I know of people who offer groceries to to those who are in need uh, and gentle encouragement to look to the Lord in times of need. Now, I'm not going to say too much more on that other than, as Christians, our generosity should involve a level of care and concern for those who are poor. Now, the third principle that we see this morning, use your wealth to honor God. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Uh, This idea of first fruits is actually quite common in the Old Testament. Uh, The people of God were were called to do this uh, by tithing. Uh, You may know that word tithe means 10% or a tenth. And people were to to give back to God one tenth of of everything they earned on an annual basis. And the beauty of the tithe was that it it didn't matter whether you had a little or whether you had lots, because everyone was giving the same portion, 10%. Now, there were times in in the Old Testament when God's people actually withheld their tithe, and we see an instance like this in uh, Malachi chapter uh, 3, where God says, Will man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, How have we robbed you? and your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Uh, God says his people are robbing him when they failed to tithe. Uh, The tithe in the Old Testament was, uh, you might remember, initially set up by God to support the work of the Levites, who were one of the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And they were set apart to kind of take care of the spiritual and educational needs of the people. But you may remember as well that they had no land of their own, and so these tithes supported them. Now, when we jump ahead to the the New Testament, there is no command to tithe. Uh, some people think the the ten percent, the the ten percent, is, is still binding for God's people. Uh, but certainly, what seems to be more stressed in the New Testament is generosity, and specifically, we are to be generous in the supporting and in, in supporting the building up of God's people. And that can be done in in a whole number of ways. Uh, Primarily, it's done through our support for the local church. But it's also done in the ways we support Christian organizations, uh, missionaries, Bible colleges, Christian schools, and and many more ways as well. Now, the one thing to remember when it comes to generosity is our motives. Uh, We've been going back to the the very start of the Bible in, in recent weeks. And in Genesis, we see that when God created the world and tasked Adam and Eve to rule over creation, they weren't given ownership of the world. They were called to be stewards. They were called to manage it. They were to manage everything that God had provided. And when it comes to thinking about our generosity, rather than thinking about wealth as belonging to us, it's more helpful to think of it as belonging to God. Paul, in his first letter to Timothy, picks up on this idea of God being the provider of wealth. Uh, he says in chapter 6, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything. And so our generosity to God's kingdom is us giving back a portion to God of what he has given to us. Now for some people, giving back to God may mean less than 10% in a a particular season uh, because making ends meet is is hard enough at the moment. Uh, Think of the the pensioner who who barely has enough to uh, cover meals. Or think of the single parent who is juggling bill after bill. Think of the student struggling to pay rent. Being generous in, in some seasons may mean giving less than 10%. For others generosity will mean giving more than 10% of your income uh, because you earn a bit more and and see opportunities to invest in the growth of God's kingdom. Uh, We should be wise in the ways that we do that. That's part of what it means to be good stewards, which which the Bible encourages us to be. So wealth is good. Uh, Be generous with your wealth and honor God with your wealth. Uh, And while there are many good things about wealth, The the book of Proverbs also warns us about some of the pitfalls of wealth. Uh, The fourth principle for us to remember is that wealth doesn't last. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely fly off into the sky like an eagle. See, it's folly to live your life purely pursuing riches. And often when that's our, our sole purpose in life, you can almost be sure that these riches will evade us. There's a wisdom in not chasing after wealth simply because it's on offer. Uh, we've heard, I'm sure we've all heard examples of people who've had opportunities to further their careers and boost their, their bank balances significantly. And all it's going to cost them is everything. Uh, and some have managed to avoid that trap, knowing that wealth isn't everything because it's not going to last. Others have, have dived, dived in head first, only to find themselves uh, burnt out, deeply dissatisfied. Uh, often family life ends up in turmoil because of the cost of acquiring wealth. Wealth doesn't last, and, and more importantly, it will be of no use to us eternally. Uh, Proverbs 11.4 riches won't help on the day of judgment but right living can save you from death see when we when we stand before Jesus on the day of judgment he won't say to us away from me because your bank balance doesn't have enough zeros uh, Jesus does say there's a there's a different type of treasure that we should store up Matthew 6 uh, 19 to 21 do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and where, thieves, uh, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there also your heart will be. Don't waste your life pursuing treasures that won't last, uh, especially when it's going to cost you, relationally, Uh, when it's going to be detrimental to your faith. The fifth principle that Proverbs teaches us uh, is that the way we pursue wealth matters. The way we pursue wealth matters. Uh, We touched on this briefly last week as we thought about work. If riches uh, are our end goal, then most of us will will probably find ourselves in a position where we'll do anything to get there. We'll cut corners uh, looking for those get-rich-quick quick, uh, get rich quick schemes. But Proverbs 13.11 tells us, He who gathers money, little by little, makes it grow. See, God teaches us the importance of hard work and delayed gratification. Being willing to, to wait for wealth to grow. Being patient. Proverbs 11.18 The wicked man earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. It's very easy in life to pursue wealth in a way that deceives others. There are some companies these days that that do exactly that, uh, charging ludicrous amounts simply because they can, taking advantage of of the vulnerable, who often have no alternative, nowhere else to go. That's what verse 16 in today's passage hints at. He who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth, and he who gives gifts to the rich... Both come to poverty. See, God sees when, when people step over others to increase their wealth. Uh, and I find the second part of that verse quite interesting. Sometimes in life people think if I, if I give money to, to someone who's rich, maybe I'll see some of that wealth. If I, if I go to uh, a person who's rich or a company that's rich, maybe maybe I'll get something back. But the end place is often poverty as well. Then there's Proverbs 21.6 A fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapour and a deadly snare. In other words, wealth that's built upon lies will not last. It will disappear and and bring about your demise. Fortunes made on lies get found out sooner or later. Now what are the, the risks for us? Well maybe for us Uh, It's investing money in something that we know to be shady. Uh, Maybe it's our failure to pay taxes, uh, always accepting cash jobs, thinking no one will know, or I pay tax in my other job. Proverbs warns that wealth that is achieved in a dubious way will often bring trouble. Uh, The sixth principle, the wealth of fools will disappear the wealth of fools will disappear. Uh, And that's what we're reminded of in in 2117. He who loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and oil will never be rich. Now, if you're obsessed with having the the finer things in life uh, and feel the need to get those things without without ever giving any thought uh, to whether you can actually afford those things or, or whether you really need them, you're probably never living within your means. Uh, we find something pleasing to the eye, the new phone, uh, the new car, the house, and we tell ourselves we absolutely need it. We imagine life will be so much better if we if we just get it. And then we soon realize uh, after we've bought it that there's a better version out there and the cycle continues. We need to be thoughtful with how we use our money and be aware of the things that we're tempted to splurge on. Uh, Proverbs 2720 says, death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are the eyes of man. Uh, and I think the, the point in that verse is that it's often the case that our eyes cause us to chase after worldly positions. But what we find in our pursuit is that these positions don't satisfy as we hope, or for as long as we hope. Uh, as we've seen, there are, there are a number of dangers when it comes to wealth, uh, which is why I think uh, this man named Agur uh, prays in Proverbs 30, verse 8, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Now, he's someone who's come to realize the troubles that riches can bring if we're not careful. He knows that poverty uh, that poverty has its own troubles, so he prays something in between. And there's wisdom in that, knowing how easily our hearts are drawn to wealth. In the face of the dangers that can come with wealth, uh, I love Proverbs 16.8. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. For some of us, uh, large amounts of wealth may not be our lot in life. And Proverbs says, it's it's better to know you've lived in a godly way and lack wealth than to gain wealth in an unjust way. Proverbs says you can very much live an honourable life without wealth. So we've seen some of the the benefits of wealth. We've seen some of the pitfalls. uh, But above all, we need to remember the one who has made us wealthy in the way that matters most. 2 Corinthians 8 uh, verse 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes, he became poor, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Spiritually speaking, as Christians, we are wealthier than we'd ever thought possible. Look at what God has done for us through Jesus, not only wiping away that that debt that our sin brings, uh, but making us rich. And all we had to do was... Admit that we had nothing without God. Come to Jesus, the one who says, blessed are the poor in spirit, the one who's paid our debt and has given us riches that we could never earn on our own. Forgiveness for our sin, uh, endless joy, hope, and life everlasting. That is what he has done for us. So, uh, if you're able to grow wealth, uh, do it in the right way. If not, uh, and if you're a Christian, well then don't panic. You have spiritual wealth that is what ultimately counts. Uh, and once each of us realizes just how rich we are in Christ Jesus, it will allow us to be truly generous with the physical wealth that we do have. And not only that, with our, with our time, with our energy and in the ways we love and care for one another. Uh, Let me finish with these words from a hymn uh, that was written about a hundred years ago. It says, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands. Uh, This Commitment Sunday, may we all remember the riches that are ours ours in Christ Jesus. And let us remember his commitment to us. Amen.